0: Chances are you or someone you love is suffering silently, wondering why life seems so effortless for others, wondering why you seem so different. To some, the world seems empty, pointless, and devoid of happiness. To others, it's a daily gauntlet of obsessive anxiety pressuring you not to open that door. A lot of us can't understand why we can't do the thing we want to do. We can't connect the dots after a lifetime of learning how to shield who we really are from the world. Some of us racked with hurt, wonder how tomorrow can happen when the world turned upside down. The world tells us to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, to stop worrying, to stop whining unless we're bleeding. That may work for some, but for others, it's a crushing blow at a moment when what they truly need is a hand, a hug, an ear. The stigma over mental health, the pressure to be productive in order to be considered worthy causes real damage to real people. Let's have that conversation today. This is Candor Encountering. Candor and counter again. <laughs> should come in with a fat Albert intro. <laughs> so last week was interesting. We did. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, you should go back and listen to it. But we did our first sort of deviation from yeah. mm-hmm. a strange audio
1: project that we thought would be pretty
0: cool. Yeah, that yeah. was
1: fun. It was really fun. And oh yeah,
0: cool. Who knows how it turned out as far as you know yeah. listeners go. But for us, it was a good. It was a fun project. It was uh, interesting to step out the bounds of, of counter encounter. research and back and forth. And or well, yeah, yeah, I guess yeah. you do more than just yeah. The counter. research can get, uh,
1: I guess, overwhelming sometimes, just on yeah. top of everything else. Oh, yeah, absolutely,
0: sure. yeah. So we're here to talk about a topic that is...
2: A little close on each of, for each of us. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's a personal. I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of listeners out there who have their own story, you know, their own struggles that they deal with. And us as brothers, we do too. We've talked about it a little bit here and there, touch and go, about how we all have these struggles that we go through, mental health struggles that we go through. And it really just so happens that all of us really deal with a lot of the same issues. Uh, which, of course, I mean, we share genetics, we share upbringings. Yeah. Yeah, we share a lot of our common past and environment and things like that. So it would stand to reason that. And we've all been very close over the entirety of our,
1: our life. So. That's true. That's true. Yeah. We, well, I mean, I guess it doesn't matter if I mention the statement, and I lived with Chris. For a while, a few years back, when we were in high school, yeah. So there was that, and we were always staying at his house, but even before then,
0: yeah. And I mean, we were we were just brothers playing video yeah. games, right, <laughs> right? right, I mean, You yeah. know, we weren't. Yeah, uh, I was adult age, but I was still I was an adult boy. Is what I was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but we've made it to a point where, in our adult lives, we're figuring out that. There were things that we were dealing with. There were things in our lives that we were struggling with, and we just didn't know what was causing them or what they were, what they meant. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there, like I said in the intro, that you might be dealing with something. And a lot of times, or every time other than last week that we come on Candor Encounter, we bring a question. Now, we didn't bring a specific question today. And so that also breaks the mold for Candor Encounter. Yeah. And it leaves us a little bit um, undirected and unfocused. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a good side and a bad side to that coin. And so who knows where today is going to lead us. And I I feel some anxiety come on about leaving behind the structure of Candor Encounter because it gives you somewhere to go. It gives you a path to stay
2: on. question to answer there's a path to find the answer
1: right you can aim somewhere right yeah
2: with a topic like this one uh, it's very free form yeah uh, and can take you anywhere I don't know there's some anxiety in that There, there's hesitancy
1: mm-hmm yeah because it's it's like where do you start
2: sort of where does it go yeah and knowing that there's no answer. Right. Like there's no end objective. Yeah. It's just, yeah. A, it's just discussion.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's like there's some trepidation over what the next movie is going to be. Cause you, you know, let's start here. I have anxiety of some sort. Like most Americans, or a lot of Americans, I would say. I'm not saying most, but, and I did not like research or study specifics for today's podcast. And the reason is, is because I wanted something authentic. I didn't want this to be me recounting. Yeah. Giving statistics and yeah. On mental health. Look, the deal is, is it's fact that mental health was one of the last places to really start to Received the research and education that it deserved a long time ago. I mean, you just didn't hear about it growing up. Like you heard about uh, like psych wards yeah, and I was gonna like say institutions you, yeah. and that kind of thing. And Like it was
2: basically everybody was the same except for the crazy people.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, people were different, but they were like just average, right? They weren't considered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the cost of that actually was that a lot of people went under the radar with things that they were suffering with and throughout their childhood and into adulthood that turned into, um, some trauma of some sort. And I used to really sort of scoff at the word trauma. Did anybody else ever have that kind of feeling? I I don't know about scoff at it, but definitely not, like, I
2: didn't look at my own upbringing and be like, yeah, that's trauma. Yeah, Yeah,
0: I think scoff was probably the wrong word. I,
2: yeah. But it it was one of those, like, it didn't.
1: Yeah, I I agree because, like, I had always envisioned myself as sort of rolling with the punches and just, like, you know.
2: Able to act freeformly. Like yeah, just, yeah, like it yeah. didn't affect
1: me. Yeah, so when people would say they have trauma, I'd be like, like I, I wouldn't like say this. Like I'm yeah. not, <laughs> yeah, trying to hurt people, but I'm thinking like just get over it, you know? Right, let it roll off your back. Yeah, that's the exact phrase I was looking for.
0: And here we are, like, oh, that's a so that that's, that's a it, trauma response. That's a coping mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a form of isolation and avoiding emotions and. It's so crazy how a lot of the what I used to consider features of my personality, you know, people would say that I'm empathetic, you know, growing up. And then I just realized, um, no, you're just people pleasing. Like, yes, you care. You care because you need validation and you need like closeness, mm-hmm. but then you have this sort of avoidant attachment at the same time. It gets so strange when you when you start analyzing who you really are.
2: Interestingly enough, all of us went into therapy around the same time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very close to around the same yeah, time. Yeah, relatively speaking. Uh, and, and it's interesting that all of us are finding out the same stuff around the same time. Yeah. Like... We'll come to record the podcast, right? And all of us will be talking about anything, really. But then eventually, mental health almost always comes up. Yeah. Or like, what's hap- what happened at therapy, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. And it's just interesting to see like all of us going through the same process at the same time and coming to the
0: same. I, I think it's really interesting. Let's talk about the sort of conversation, the public conversation over mental health. Take, for example, my work. I'm a mechanic by trade. I'm a heavy equipment mechanic by trade. That is a very male dominated field. And I work in a utility industry. So that is also a male dominated. I'm just surrounded by guys. Right. And guys typically have a harder time, especially in blue collar fields, have a harder time connecting with emotions mental health that kind of thing right mm-hmm. and it, it goes even deeper like even more in the south oh yeah we live in the south yeah, yeah. We're, we're toughness is expected yeah and you know we have a uh, generally speaking we have a a raising all three of us in that same style yeah right yeah shake it off put it behind you, you know, that kind of yeah,
2: thing. Yeah, don't let it bother you. Right, yeah.
0: And when it comes to parenting, like, it's the same, you know, I started parenting with the same style. It was just sort of, you know, unless you're hurt, don't come to me, you know. Physically hurt, don't come to me. You know, children were always looked at as like this, they bounce back. They just, they can handle it. They uh, they recover well. They, you know, they adapt well. They All those things. And I believed those things. But the more I understood about my own mental health and my struggles about where I'm at today, I just come to realize that the ability to be vulnerable and to open up about things that other people are afraid to talk about, it, it's super important. And what I was referencing earlier with my job, it's I've become very comfortable talking about mental health. And it's become very important to me because I can see what a difference it makes when you come to an understanding about where you are and where you need assistance and looking for that assistance is not a shameful thing.
2: Yeah. I think that's why it took us all so long to find therapies because all of us, well, first off, we didn't really like consider how it would help. Right. Like it, it was just like I don't need therapy. Why would I go to it? Cuz you only ever see therapy in a dramatized world like on a TV show or something. Yeah. Where it's like a very severe case. Right, right. So, yeah. To you it's not a you're like oh, I I don't need not I'm not that in bad. that situation. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, when I first started therapy, I was like the word trauma to me didn't have any association with my life. Like, none. Right? I just thought all these people, they go through these, like, terrible things. How in the world could I consider yeah, what I yeah. have not something to come back from? You know? Right, right,
2: right, right. Where it was like. Or of cause course, lasting yeah, damage. Yeah, it was one of those, like, of course I bounced back from that. Yeah. Like, of course, those things that happened, I was able to get over because they weren't, they weren't bad. Yeah. Like in your head, that's what you, it was just kind of like, they weren't severe.
0: Yeah. You minimize them. Yeah. One of the keys for me understanding that I needed help was, I actually didn't understand that I needed help. I didn't. So when I first started going to therapy, I was thinking something is wrong, but like I wasn't thinking that I had trauma or that I needed a diagnosis or that I needed anything. I was just, I should be happier. You know, it was like simple stuff like that. I should be happier. Why am I so irritable? You know, it was like small things. Yeah. Yeah. And then my company came around and gave us like these discounted sessions. You know, they were like, we already paid for five sessions or whatever. Go go see how it goes, if you want, you know. Right, right. And I let that like sit there for a year or two, and then finally I was like, "Why not?" Like, but I avoided, you know, I avoided the topic of of counseling for I don't know years, right? No, now I'll go one day, maybe, maybe not. Like, I really, I really don't need it. I was just back and forth, all over the place. Because I kept telling myself, you don't really need, somebody else needs professional services, not you, right? And part of that is because, especially as a man, you're expected to...
2: Be able to survive it, be able to
0: push through and not need... And there's, there's a second guessing yourself. Like, if I have to go for this, you know what I mean? I even looked at it as like, It could be viewed as a week from my wife. You know, I looked at it as there are all kinds of reasons I avoided it. But maybe you don't actually have overwhelming problems that caused by this life altering single event trauma. Right. But something doesn't seem right. It doesn't hurt to go speak to somebody. It doesn't. Because right. in the end even if all you need is a little bit of someone to listen to you, then you're no it's no loss, right?
2: Yeah, it's like I I learned really quickly after going to therapy, not only is it helpful, it's actually super fun. Like I love it. Being able to like I don't know, just it just feels I look forward to every session. I don't yeah. like know how else to explain it.
0: Yeah. I do too. I know what you mean. Absolutely. I think there is something to be said. Now we're analytical people, right? And so I actually find it kind of fun to go in and then I'm the puzzle. Right? Like I'm yeah. actually analyzing <laughs> right, myself right, right. Um, and I contend, I can tend to detach Actually, during therapy, emotionally, because I'm trying to analyze so much that I'm like, I could tell you a story that under normal circumstances would make me upset or like, you know, make me emotional. But then I'm not because you're thinking about like how I'm avoiding the emotion by turning inward. Right. Yeah. And that's something that I do in my regular life as well. (laughs) I tend to avoid emotion with logic.
2: Yeah, another, like, that was another thing I learned was uh, a lot of habits you create, or at least for me, uh, a lot of habits that I've created are based on responses to just anything. For instance, since I was in the military, uh, before the military, I was a very free form. I didn't really care about like what time I got to places. If I I had a schedule or something, that's different. But now after being in the military, it's like, I need a schedule or it it gets lost. Like you get lost. Well, the thing or place I'm supposed to go do, like for instance, um, last time we recorded, I didn't have a therapy session scheduled because I'd completely forgotten about it. Because I usually do it while I'm there, while I'm waiting to go. I will schedule my next
0: session. And Yeah, book the appointment from the next appointment. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, And that's my schedule. But when I got there, I just walked straight in because there was no other person before me. So it got lost and just
0: yep. didn't mm-hmm.
2: exist. That moment in time where I scheduled my next session was that, taken. That
0: small change in pattern. Yeah. Yeah. I'm absolutely that reliant on patterns and routines. A hundred, like it affects my life in drastic ways if my my routines get messed up. Yeah, and when I'm routineless, I'm I'm a shipped adrift at sea. <laughs> yes. right? When I Monday through Friday go to work, come home, I have every set routine: shower at a certain time right dinner i mean i have kids so everything is sort of scheduled ahead of time and which is one thing that has saved my life because i used to raise kids just by the seat of my pants and oh my that just ruined my (laughs) life (laughs) but i didn't realize i didn't realize where all that anxiety was coming from and it manifested itself in ways like social anxiety because i would i would get so caught up in my head and my body was so frustrated with the way things were and I didn't know it that it was affecting everything else that I was doing. And I can see it now that I self-analyze all the time. I can see See it. See correlations everywhere. Monday through Friday, I'm a different person. Saturday and Sunday, if I don't schedule my day out, if I don't line myself up, if I don't uh, tell my brain what I need to be doing, when I need to be doing it, and it goes into, uh, hey, what do I want to do now mode? Uh, that's not healthy for me <laughs> because uh, it's going to end up building anxiety because I'm going to do whatever I, whatever gives me dopamine. Yep. And then I'm going to avoid doing all the things that need to be done. And right. that's going to cause me uh, anxiety in the long run. And so by the end of the day, I'm going to be so frustrated. Another thing worth talking about is this uptick in in diagnoses across the country in the last decade. Right. So it used to be viewed that, and it's still sort of contentious in the mental health community, but for the most part, it's accepted. It's a real thing. Um, But there's all kinds of different disorders and diagnoses that are getting handed out now. And as from outside the mental health community, It is really viewed as an over diagnosis that people are just being told they're given all of these sicknesses when they don't really have anything wrong with them, right? They're just normal people or this is their demeanor or whatever. And I used to kind of fall in that camp like years ago. I used to think that way when I associated trauma to be different. And I think that's something worth talking about today because that is part of the stigma, right? Right. I'm not saying that research doesn't deserve fair critique. I'm just saying that a lot of people are suffering with real illnesses. They're suffering with real conditions. They're struggling with something that other people are ending up calling fake. And, you know, there's no other way to put that. And they might be well-meaning in saying, well, this is just an overdiagnosis or, they might be minimizing by saying, "Well, everybody forgets things now and then," or "Everybody doesn't always feel happy," or "You know, maybe you're just sad," or right, right, know, right, yeah. Insert whatever phrase that you want to say that minimizes someone else's mental suffering that they're dealing with. There's really something wrong with those kinds of statements. Like, we need to be figuring out how to help each other instead of just trying to say that everybody's going to be okay. I understand the sentiment. Like, they they want to be empowering, and they want to give people the ability to change their own yeah, lives. It's, it's a weird way of saying you can do it. Yeah. I mean, they're not... A lot of people who want to push you forward are not demeaning. Yeah. Mo- their, most
2: people aren't trying to put you down in a way that will that it sounds like.
0: Right. Like and most people won't try to hurt you that way. Yeah, not intentionally, no. But a lot of people will avoid the help that they really need because they really feel like, well, I should have the willpower. Right. You know. And that used to be my case, you know, just some personal anecdotes. Everybody suffers in different areas of their life. From different things. And one of my particular struggles after I'd been going to therapy for like two years, it started to come to light that there were, there was something going on because I always thought that I was lazy. I always thought that I was, I just didn't have the mental strength, the mental fortitude to get done what needed to get done. You know, I always had a messy house or a messy car. I didn't get as much work done as other people. I was slow at work or I couldn't remember things. People would make comments about that all the time. And I started to realize through therapy that I actually do want to do all those things. And that. And I honestly thought about doing a podcast on this one day about the myth of lazy. And my therapist told me one time that. Can I just say that's a really good title? Yeah, yeah. I I think about it all the time because this has been a serious transformation point in my life. But I used to think that I was lazy. I would see all these productive people, and they're like bouncing around and I know getting exactly everything what done. It, and I would felt yeah. like a sloth, you know, like uh-huh. I was just pushing through molasses all the time.
2: I mean, yeah, it's like ever since like grade school, right? It was just all the time, like I, I just wouldn't want to do something. And I'm not saying that's all credited to mental health because, of course, kids would rather go watch YouTube. Right. But I think I'm, I'm sure some amount of it was linked to mental health instead of just, you know, yeah, wanting to do something
1: else. Yeah. 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 I mean, I've, that's probably like one of my main struggles is laziness and like apathy.
0: Yeah. In general. Yeah. And that was one of the biggest realizations for me in my struggle in mental health was realizing that there is something wrong. And then also realizing that it wasn't my fault. So I was diagnosed with ADHD, and when that happened, when I was diagnosed with ADHD, I was like, uh, no. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm not that stereotypical, bouncing-off-the-walls kid uh, who you can't calm down, you know. And I've met children with ADHD. it's one of those, like, I feel like I'm on the opposite side of the board. Yeah. I was like, I don't think... That could be farther from the mark. (laughs) And then, you know, once it was explained to me, like, no, that's a stereotype. Yeah. And ADHD is a struggle with the executive function in your brain. The rationalizing, the motivation circuits, the reward centers. There is a lot of times very little that you can do to overcome the task that your brain wants to engage in that you feel when, you you know, when I first started therapy, I thought I was in control. I thought I was, I, my conscious brain was in control. I was totally, you could have told you couldn't have told me anything else because I was always in my head. You were the decision maker. Yeah. 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 And I had, whatever I was doing, I had thought about it 30 times already. Right. So I knew that, I felt like I knew every part of myself because I was trapped in my head all the time. And then to realize that, yeah, your conscious, your executive part of your brain doesn't always drive the bus. (laughs) Like sometimes that's left up to more ancient parts of your brain, right? The more central nervous system related, the the more emotional related, the more,
2: the distraction monkey, yeah, comes in and says, "Okay, but about, what if what if we go like play a game? How about this or or pick up that stick?
0: Yeah, <laughs> anything more rewarding than the thing you want me to do? Yeah, mm-hmm. and even now that can sound like we're talking about someone just being lazy and not doing the thing they should do. But let me tell you something really quick." If you are neurotypical, if you have the brain of the average human and you don't have struggles with ADHD or autism or the broad spectrum of behavior affecting disorders, I, I want you to understand something. This is real. This is not. the people that are talking about this are not going around trying to make excuses for the way that they are. I, I judged myself like that to begin with. Like I was like, this feels like I'm just copping out like this. I was unable to let myself enjoy or have relief at the fact that there is something happening out of my control. And I don't want to spend all day talking about ADHD because there are a lot of other things out there that people have to deal with. But these are the ones that we have a personal connection to. Mm-hmm. I It's hard for me to understand someone who suffers with more debilitating issues or ones that cause serious impairment in their life. And that's not to downplay any less. Uh, those that have less suffering in their life. But it's hard for me to connect with a lot of different things. There's a lot of variance out there in disorders and just plain mental health. And so we're only going to be able to really connect to a certain few. But we do want you to know that whatever it is that you're going through, it's worth dealing with it's worth talking to someone about and there are a million lines of communication out there for you to find someone who will listen to you but jumping back on the the topic of adhd i just once i was informed that actually this is quite genetic it's about 80 percent genetic and 20 percent environmental but it affects your brain chemistry and it's permanent. And it's an underdeveloped level of dopamine in your system.
2: So if somebody has a physical illness that's genetic, and it's very obvious, like they grow sick and they have fall, like fallen ill in bed, like it's not that obvious with a mental illness. That's no. one of the biggest problems is like it's hard to identify because the person usually has to go to someone. Right,
1: unless someone is looking to identify it. Right.
0: right. It's it's going to stay under wraps. And we're very good at like tricking ourselves. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We're very good at saying, "Oh, well, I'm I mean, I'm I'm good, you know." And I'm I don't here, see anything yeah, wrong. I'm yeah. here.
2: I don't have a broken bone like yeah. that kind of thing where it's like,
0: "I don't see it hurting. It's not there." And a lot of the ways that the symptoms would show you cover up earlier on in life. You learn how to cover up. Yep. And then those mechanisms that you learned how to change your behavior so that you become more acceptable, they become sources for comorbidities. So you might suffer from depression or anxiety because you were dealing with ADHD or autism or something like that. And they tend to run in groups because of that. Mm-hmm. You know, they, because you were, masking or because you were
2: isolating, isolating or using
0: behaviors that uh, avoiding would, you know, like, which is isolating, but there are a number of ways that someone can unhealthily deal with the stresses in their life. And those in turn cause more problems. And so it's not just as simple as, Hey, this person needs help. He looks like he needs help, right? Cause there's so much below the surface and so much that we hide from ourselves, much less hide from other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, and so much of it is subconscious. Like you just don't even know that you've done it or it's happening or so much of it is just wired into your brain and identifying what is what and where you can make changes or where you can adapt your life. And some people could laugh at this kind of stuff. It it doesn't bother me anymore. And some people would say, well, that's just, you're you're just cherry picking. Or they would say, everybody has a favorite pair of socks, right? But no, here's the difference between somebody who deals with sensory issues versus somebody who deals with, I prefer a different pair of socks, right? So if I wake up in the morning and I wear boots, Long boots. And so, they touch my leg. (laughs) So, I have to wear long socks. Now, if the elastic on the socks is worn off and they tend to slip down in the boot throughout the day. You can stop. (laughs) Does that already sound like torture? Yes. Okay. Like 75 times a day, I have to pull the sock up. Right? So, it doesn't just annoy me. That's not... I I I have sensory issues. It it literally ruins my day. It it makes me irritable. It it makes me unable to focus. I can't even think about the job that I'm supposed to be doing because I can't think. I'm thinking about the sock. I, I could I could go on and on and on because I have sensory issues. But so if so- there is something that is impairing your life, if it affects your behavior in a negative way, it is. It doesn't mean that you're oh I just prefer a different pair of socks.
2: I had bought a pack of socks from Walmart.
0: This was 2 3 years ago.
2: And I put on the first pair and I like I went to work and it was like 10 15 minutes and I felt I felt it like halfway down to my ankle. <laughs> it wasn't like it wasn't I pulled it up here, right? Yeah. Cuz I've I've always worn boots ever since I started going to the military. But it wasn't all the way up. And in the military, I mean, they give you, like, knee-high socks. So, like, I would fold them down to half, and then they would stay. They wouldn't move for Yeah, they got they grip. Right, they got grip. Anyway, I felt it slip down. Uh, and this was only, like, two or three hours into my shift. And I walked up to my manager. I was like, can I take my break? You just got here. Like, yeah, can I take my break? And I left work. I went to Walmart, got me a new pack of socks a put on renew new socks. Yeah. And
0: they didn't sleep. But yeah, so when it's that impactful in your life, when there is so... so actually, was, I shared this with Sean already. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you did, yeah. So is this like a revelation for you right now?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that was a... I mean, I knew sensory issues existed, but I didn't...
0: Well, okay. I didn't connect the line. So actually, what I was mentioning that I told Sean before... Was that I, I I'm partially on the spectrum. And this is new to most people. I haven't told most people this, but I have scored on the autistic spectrum. And that blew my mind out of the water. The ADHD deal I struggled with for a little bit. I'm still struggling with the autism thing. So but what what it meant to me was finding out. What does that mean and how does it affect my life? And at first I was like, no, I don't agree with this at all. Like there was a lot of resistance and I've learned through the years of therapy to start letting go and stop fighting that and start asking why that I'm just blessed by the fact that the one thing I love to do in my life is ask why. And that's the biggest blessing that I have because that gives me answers to things and it makes me open to things. And every time I learn new things about myself, I get emboldened to talk to others about it because here's the thing. I know 100% that everything that I've been told up to this point has made a difference in my life. And so for me, It doesn't matter what anybody says. It doesn't matter how they take what I say. It doesn't – so many people around me probably think that I info dump on them, (laughs) right? Because I just – I have so much sort of pent up that I want to share with people that I – as soon as the opportunity opens, they just get the full load of it.
2: It's like a small topic comes up, and it's suddenly just like – yeah.
0: And I'd been wanting to do this podcast for a while and I don't know how effective it's going to be. Cause we're just sitting around talking and I, we don't really have guideposts. No. Right? <laughs> right. And so we're just winging it. I'm just winging it. And I know that it feels right though. Like I know that the three of us are dealing with very similar issues. And like a minute ago, you were talking about sensory issues. Now I'm not claiming that I know, a lot about the intricacies of your life because I don't. But I know that my sensory issues play a part on putting me on the spectrum.
2: After, I don't know how long it was. It was a few months into my therapy. So, and I was going every week for a while. So probably 14-ish sessions. Mm -hmm. I was like, I, I wanted to know like, if it was possible to take an ADHD test or anything. But I didn't know how to approach it, so, like, at the end of the session, I was like, is finding out I'm ADHD, is that, like, something I come to you about, or is it, like, do, do I need to ask you about it, or do you tell me, or do you... Now, how?
0: I'm unfamiliar.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the process. And she was like, we can take a test, but, uh, well, first off, I have a test here and like it's, it can be taken now, but you play video games, don't you? And I said, yes, I do. She said, you're probably going to beat my test and it will be unclear. <sighs> and I was saying, what do we do then? <laughs> she was like, well, first off, I can tell you, you are either more than likely. And I can't give you a diagnosis because I'm not a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. However, You are either more than likely a high functioning autist or you have ADHD.
0: Yeah, they're very intertwined. Mm. The symptoms are very similar between the two. Interesting. And it can be very hard to discern one from the other.
2: When she said that, I was like,
0: okay, cool.
2: If it, I just want to know, I just, yeah, it's for me. Yeah. Yeah. This is for me
0: so I can start. Understand? Yeah, Yeah. I want to know. (laughs) Yeah, and it it makes a big difference, and to be able to identify where problems come from is, you know, that's sort of an important piece of the puzzle.
1: I have to get around to that with Bailey or with my therapist. Still, yeah, I haven't brought it up.
0: Yeah, I I didn't even know to bring it up because I've been going to therapy for years, you know. And he was like, I think we should do an ADHD test. And, you know, sometimes it takes them a while to come around to that point. But the the truth is, it's genetic. And I see behaviors in all three of us that are very, very similar. Mm-hmm. And I see severities in different symptoms differently between us. But they're still there. As soon as I was given my diagnosis, I went into hyper-focus mode. And I was like, I'm going to learn everything there is to learn about ADHD. Yep. Day and night. I was reading, <laughs> yep. watching videos, listening to podcasts. I was like, I'm going to know what this is all about. And every day I was going, so holy crap. Like there's a whole world of people out here that are dealing with the issues that I'm dealing with. And I've just been sitting here struggling all alone. And I didn't understand that there was a name to, to the type of life that I had. And just that one revelation, just understanding there are other people out there that are trying to figure it all out was just a, There was a weight lifted. I mean, there's still a ton of work to do. But it's
2: like even the term hyperfocus. That's 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 something that isn't well known outside of the mental health community. Yeah. Like hyperfocus is when you like take something and you just you take in all the information you can get. You go to your computer, like you gain an interest in something and that has your attention for days. It can be. I mean, it can be as small as hours, but right, like, endlessly seeking that information.
0: Yeah, and and a lot of it. I mean, a lot of it is is driven by your interests, yes. um, but a lot of it is also part of ADHD. Like, I have a dopamine deficiency, and I I know that. Like, as soon as my brain says, "I'm going to reward you for this." and is like, I want to know about this thing. Oh, I'm going for it, buddy. <laughs> I'm going out. I'll, I'll totally. Now it comes at a cost. I mean, you, you lose total track of time. You can't focus on anything else. Yep. If someone tries to, to talk to you or interrupt what you're doing, you do not want to engage. I want to avoid all of my responsibilities as a parent. I want to avoid my responsibility as an employee I, I mean, there are all kinds of struggles that come along with hyperfocus. Hyperfocus is not, oh, I'm just interested in the topic. That's not what hyperfocus is. Hyperfocus can impair your life. Hyperfocus can suck away all of the other things that are in your life and make you, give you tunnel vision on the one thing that you're looking at.
2: Tunnel vision is a great way to describe yeah. it.
0: That, th- this hyperfocus doesn't happen
1: to me too often. It, Especially not with, I mean, sometimes it does, but usually not with just topics. Yeah. Like the times where I've really noticed it happening is like, well, the first thing I think of is my soul level one runs in Dark Souls. When I get those going, it's like all I think about all day. It's like, I got to beat this boss. I got to get these timings <laughs> down. I got to, I got to min max. I got to get the, the, you know? But yeah. it doesn't happen to me very often at all. Which
0: I mean, I think this is one of the diversities between us, Sean. Is I feel like you probably have more apathy than we do. Yeah, and we have a a higher. I don't know what the, I don't know what the word would be. We we have a higher self criticism over productivity. I would think, or at least I do. I do. I'm not going to speak for David. So.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think I do.
0: I, I no, have, that's not true. I, I'm, I'm very self-critical of my product, too. critical about it, but I don't make any change. Oh, like, no. Well, that's... Change is completely different right. than self-criticism. I do criticize yeah. quite a lot. I'm on board there. <laughs> if you feel guilt and shame over, oh, okay. yeah. over not doing... But
2: it's... it's Definitely. It's only after the fact. Like, you're into, into your game and you spend hours and then you finish and you're like, I really... Like, I, there are several times I'm like, man, I, I could have spent that time editing the podcast.
0: Right, right. And I could be really driven over an episode that I'm excited about. I could edit that podcast until 2, 3 in the morning. Yes, yes. There and then if episodes. I have an episode that I'm just sort of humdrum about, I could avoid that one for three weeks in a row. Yes. And it's like that with other parts of my life. It's that way with my job. I, I have if I don't want to work on this truck, I will hide, I will hide away from it. I will, I will do everything. I will organize my file. I would, I will organize my, um, my hammers <laughs> while that truck sits over there. <laughs> like It's just, uh, it's very, it's very distracting. So, but there are struggles with every mental diagnosis. And those that are going undiagnosed and the longer you go undiagnosed, the more it's going to impact your life. And maybe it's just depression and maybe not. And that's not to minimize depression, but I'm saying maybe it's just one thing. Yeah. Right. And, and maybe it's not a whole host of, of issues and maybe it doesn't require medication and maybe it does, but, yeah, it's medication like, is another thing that we want to talk about it's as well. Still talking about the problem,
2: well, the problems mental health problems that people can have even if it does require medication. That doesn't make it a bad thing. No. If anything that makes it a good
0: thing. It actually means that there's solutions out yeah. there. Yeah. Potential potential solutions. Yeah. And I mean a lot of struggles can't be solved with medication, mm-hmm. especially in the in the mental health field. Um, so if you have that possibility, it's actually, it, it can be pretty exciting and it can be a tough road as well. I mean, it's not, it's not always easy, but I just know there's a lot of people out there who are telling themselves, I, I, I can't have it that bad. Like I don't have that much wrong with me or my suffering isn't that bad or they're afraid to look weak they're afraid to seem fragile as a man or as a woman, they don't feel like they have the support they need. And I just, I know that if I could just con like, if I could convince one person that it's worth talking to someone, I do this all the time at work. people, I talk openly about mental health at work and it just flies in the face of every one of the guys that <laughs> I work with and they're, but they're very disarmed by it. Like I just see it. I openly, I go in, I talk about medications that I take. I talk about why I take them. I talk about my diagnoses. I talk about the issues that I struggle with. I tell them exactly what I'm struggling with when I'm struggling with it. Like if they, if they come in, I'm like doing something and they're like, Hey, Hey, I need, I need this done. And I, I know, I know I will not remember this because I'm busy doing something. I can't write it down. My, my ADHD will let it completely disappear from reality when they turn around and leave. So I will tell them, Hey man, I'm really in the middle of something. And I will forget. You told me that. Can you come back and remind me? Or can you give me a call or send me a text? They're like, sure. And they get it now. Like, that I've talked to them about the issue, and and now I've learned – I used to be embarrassed for that. I used to convince myself I have to remember. People remember things. Yeah, right. Right? And so I just would automatically say, yeah, man, I'll get to it. And then – It's gone. And then it's gone. Yep. And then they would wonder why it wasn't fixed, and they would wonder what's happening. And I'm, I'm still not perfect. I mean, I'm not – it still happens. But – it's gave me a path forward because now I recognize one of my yeah, weaknesses, right?
2: I, I know exactly what you're talking about, actually. With uh, our little friend group, it's very s- similar. A few of the people in our friend group right, are within the mental health community. They completely understand, right? So when somebody, like, for instance, one of our friends reaches out to me and is like, hey, I need this, this, and this, on especially because we play D&D. Like I'm running the campaign, and they're like, "Hey, there's this item you told me I had during the session. You said you get to it after. This is just a reminder text to so you know to get it done." I didn't even ask them to text me. They just know yeah. that I'm because it's it's it was gone two minutes after I said, "Right, yeah, hey, you've got this item." And they said, "Well, what does it do?" I said, "I'll I'll tell you after, or I I'll work on it while I'm at work or something." Yeah and I'll get to work and get a reminder text to work on an item that I told them about three weeks ago. Right. Because I've forgotten after that every time.
1: Right.
0: And the best part about Having
2: friends within the community is
0: great. The people in your life being supportive and understanding how to help you. That's super key. Until we can figure out where we struggle and be honest with ourselves. If we don't, know, then the information can't help us, you know, and I just think so many people need to just listen. If, if there's nothing wrong, if you don't need any help, I I mean, that's amazing. And, and you're extraordinarily lucky, but that means you have an opportunity. So if none of this really connected with you, then that means, I mean, you may have some other struggles that we didn't touch on but if you're not struggling with anything that means that you have the ability to support someone out there who you love who really is and they might need to know someone is there you know they might be suicidal or depressed and you know we've had that in our family too we know it can be very frightening mm-hmm. and you might not know where to turn And so being the stable place for some other people to turn to can be a really blessing, a real blessing. It can mean a lot. Yeah. Yeah. To let someone know you're there. And, you know, it's taught me a lot about how to be a parent now that I'm understanding how we form who we are. And so much of that happens when we're younger. And I really think that parenting is going to end up transforming mental health in the future along with the research and everything that they're doing nowadays. But there's been so many, so many changes and so many new lessons gleaned from research on mental health. And so much of that is formed during childhood. Now I'm trying to, I'm trying to parent without transferring some of that generational trauma. You know, I remember my, uh, my therapist telling me just on a roll, I was talking one day and, and was talking about, you know, learning how to parent my inner child. Like what am what am I needing to heal right now? You know, and that might sound silly to some of y'all and I don't really care, but <laughs> it would make sense if if it's something you're going through. But, you know, we were all raised in a different world but i had some things i wanted to change right and i wanted to alter the way i was raising my kids because i didn't want them to be left with some of the things that i was dealing with and i wanted then i wanted to be emotionally available for them and i wanted to let them know that this is an emotionally safe place mm-hmm. this home and i said something along the lines of i you know I wanted to undo the, oh no, I said something about, um, telling my daughter that I apologized when I, I yelled or I, I went off, you know, and got irritable or whatever. And I apologized and I was like, look, I'm not making excuses. I, I, I was raised differently. And I don't, I'm having to train myself. I was just telling her this stuff. I was like, I'm having to train myself to not react that way. And I was like, it's, I'm bringing baggage to this parenting adventure and I'm sorry, you know, and that's not your fault and you shouldn't suffer for it. And I apologize for the way I'd acted. And I was telling this to my therapist and And he said, we all, you know, carry some of that. And I said, and I want to make sure, you know, I don't pass that baggage on to you so that it affects your life in the future. And, and he was like, I mean, nobody's perfect. Like they're going to carry something. And at first I was a little defensive. I was like, (laughs) man, I like, I'm trying to, what do you mean? Like, I'm, I'm trying to be the perfect parent, you know? And then I realized, uh, that's not, that doesn't happen. Like what you're thinking of doesn't exist. Yeah. Right. It's like, give yourself some grace, you know, and realize like you're, she's going to go to therapy and talk about whatever it is you screwed up to. (laughs) And like, you just got to be kind of cool with it. Right. 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 I mean, you care, you care and you try, but. Don't set these unrealistic expectations, you know?
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Something that should be noted kind of Chris said it earlier, where like I mean there there's trauma that comes from childhood just naturally. Yeah. And it's not something you hold against your parents normally. I mean, right. of course there are there are some relationships that can be
0: And there are some parents that yeah. are completely different than our own that uh
2: but most parents love their kids and want the best for them, and you understand that it what happened wasn't their fault it was it was a string of events that happened long before they were mm-hmm. born yeah From yeah, generation
0: before they were born
2: and it's you disconnect it from them, yeah, or at least I did yeah. And being being able to understand that like both of your parents normally <laughs> wanted the best for you and loved you in the best way that they could is a great feeling to disconnect from the way
0: they acted sometimes. Yeah, I mean there's a lot of tough feelings that come with those tough situations in your and, life. Yeah, and it's far more complex than Especially most. with parents, yeah. right? They're complex relationships. But I remember, you know, if you're struggling with something that you fault someone with, you know, and this especially worked for, for people in my life, I just imagine that person, and this this isn't like a solution or an explanation, it's just telling you how yeah. I experienced it. But I, I imagined, like, say you have something that you want to forgive someone for. You want to. Right. I just imagined them at like five years old, that person at five years old, six years old, you know, what kind of life were they living like? What were they suffering with? Sit them on your knee. Listen, what do they have to say? You know, listen to them. Like it's really easy to demonize and villainize. Uh, And I'm not saying that there aren't some people that you don't need to cut ties with. I'm not, I'm just saying. I'm just saying it's it's easy to fault someone. Um, but it's surprisingly if you try to place yourself in their position and the and the choices they had and the decisions they had it's not the it's not as simple as it seems.
2: yeah everyone is a product of their experiences yeah.
0: mm-hmm. and I learned that once you start to understand and love yourself, then it's way easier to love and understand those people or your children or the people that even might have been part of your trauma, right? It's you, you can humanize them because you humanize yourself and you say, this is what I was struggling with. I can't imagine what they were struggling with and they didn't have any help. So anyway, we pushed this one as far as we could, I think. Sean, did you have anything you wanted to say that?
1: Yeah. I'd like to say that, If there is anyone who's listening who does happen to be going through something or if you don't even think you're going through something but still are in your own head and and feel like you have issues or feel like you have issues that but they're not enough of an issue to warrant attention, uh, they are and it can be hard to talk about. But anything worth doing is worth doing a little so you don't even have to go to therapy and uh, get into the whole process of it, but just finding a friend to trust and confide in helps a lot. So I really suggest finding someone you can talk to, even if it's just for one or two times, just getting stuff off your chest helps more than you probably know.
2: That's another thing I I I I would recommend therapy at least once.
1: Yeah. And yeah.
2: Every single person. (laughs) Just try. Yeah. Just try it. It I'm not going to say it works for everyone because it doesn't. Some people it
0: won't click with. I think it's revolutionary. Yeah.
1: And actually I'd like to add that I mentioned talking about issues can be hard, and obviously we all know that to be true. Yeah. I found it much easier to do with a stranger. With Bailey, or with a therapist. You don't have to worry about baggage. Exactly. Yeah. Nothing. It's all just open air Mm -hmm. and it's all about you. Yeah. And you can focus on it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely worth it. So
2: if you want to find us, you can find us on Facebook at Counter Encounter Podcast. Any questions or anything, you can send them there. You can also send us your favorite track
1: yeah please do maybe we'll end up using it if it's not copyrighted <laughs> fat chance <laughs> we do want to listen to it but yeah yeah please yeah. send us your favorite music anyway absolutely we're fiends for it and if you're feeling curious or ambitious send us a topic on your mind at com slash submit we would love to talk about it
0: tell us where we need to go where, yeah. do, we, where do we need to go with this thing start Start steering the ship. Yeah, we we love any input, truly. And guys, if you are on Apple Podcast, if you will leave us a review there, it would be much appreciated. And if you are on our website, you can go to the top. There's a Podchaser link. You can do the same there. And that about wraps it up for us today. So just remember, we love you. As a very, very precious human being. So until next time. Take it easy. Stranger way into eternity. You can figure out a way. You can figure it out.
1: To well, Amamu, I've come
0: right. to bargain. Uh,
1: never mind. Have you, never mind.
2: <laughs> Why'd you go to commit a second time if you said never mind? Yes.
0: Yes. I don't know.